Um, welcome back for those who um, weathered through a few weeks past of the flu. Um, just to make it clear, when Aaron said that uh, we're getting together because we had the flu, no, 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 we're, uh, since we were all apart and many of people were sick, we're getting together. We're not wanting to have a flu party, so that's not the goal of the progressive dinner. I think the majority of the church, everybody has passed that, which is a wonderful thing, and now we're all immune. So um, we are continuing today in our, our health check, if you will. Um, we began a couple weeks ago with a vision check and checking out, do you have gospel vision? Are you seeing yourself? Are you seeing others? Are you seeing the world around you accurately through a gospel lens? And then last week, Aaron kind of gave us a, a mind check. It, do you see yourself? Do you have an identity as one who is being resurrected, who has been resurrected in Christ, and who one day will be resurrected completely in Christ Jesus? And today, um, we're kind of doing a, uh, a, a, not only an identity check, but a health check, a growth check today. So seeing, hey, how are we growing? And all of this stems from really our vision as a church is to be gospel-centered in, in our mission, in our community, in our worship. And then our mission as a church is to be disciples of Jesus who are growing and then making disciples. So our identity is disciples we want to grow as disciples, and we want to make disciples. And so we want to do a little health check and, and see where, how are we growing? How do we grow as a church? How do we pursue growth as a church? So we'll be continuing in that and then follow up. Next week, we get to hear from a guy named John Patterson, who he is hoping to plant a church, and we are hoping to partner with him. You'll hear more about that next week. Um, he'll be coming here talking to us from First Thessalonians, and that is part of our mission check. And then the following week, finishing up that on uh, check on our mobility, if you will. So today, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave, speaking of Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part's working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that enables us to grow. God, thank you that you don't leave us alone, that you don't leave us alone to figure things out. You don't leave us alone in the Christian walk, but you give us your body, and then you enable us by your grace to grow. God, thank you that there's hope. There's, there's fresh hope each and every day that we can grow by your grace, Lord, and that you've given us your body to enable us to grow. Lord, would, would we take advantage of your body as the means of growth? And Lord, would we help each other grow up into you? God, we want to grow up. So often we're dissatisfied with 
different areas of our life and failings, Lord. And, but thank you that you've not left us alone, that you've given us your body. You've given us your grace that we might grow. Lord, we pray that today we might have a refresher in growing in you, that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts, enable us to respond to you. Lord, all growth is from you, Lord, not of our own effort. And so, Lord, we pray that by your spirit you'd enable us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, everybody, everywhere we look, we're inundated to all kinds of advertisements, um, whether you are on social media or not, or if you watch TV or open up a paper or look at a magazine, you're inundated with all kinds of advertisements to, to be different, to be like someone, to appeals to get fit, to get ripped, to get swole, to get washboard abs, or get in shape. And especially this time of year after the Christmas holidays when everybody's aware that they may not have washboard abs. And every week I see some kind of ad of, of how to get in the same shape as a guy named Chris Hemsworth. He played Thor. Anybody knew who Thor was, that movies? You can raise your hand. I mean, come on. Somebody had to have watched one of those Marvel movies. So every, every week I see this, this advertisement, be like Chris Hemsworth, and hey, I help train Chris Hemsworth. Here's the diet you can do. Here's what you need to do. Here's the, the regimen you need to, to go through to get to be like him. And they obviously work because... We keep seeing tons and tons of these ads, and it's either a diet or some new way of eating or some new exercise plan, and they're seeking to look a certain way or be in shape or just feel better, and maybe you're somewhere in that mix. Maybe you're somewhere in that mix. If you're trying to change your diet, change the way you eat, maybe it's a new plan. You don't call it a diet. You're just a new eating habits because you don't want people to shun you because you're saying you're on a diet and you don't want to hear that stuff. So I'm just eating differently. I'm cutting out this. I'm cutting out that. I'm eating this. I'm eating plant-based. Whatever you might be, maybe you're in that mix and you're wanting to grow to look like whatever your ideal man or woman is. But what if I posed you a question that wasn't full of gimmicks, wasn't full of marketing, wasn't full of ploys, wasn't something that was short-term, something that wasn't a fad, that, that wasn't only meant to work here and now and be a quick fix? And, and, and the question really as Christians that we need to consider is, do you want to grow, but do you want to grow to be like Jesus? Do you want to get in shape, but you want to get in the kind of shape that Jesus is in? And I'm not talking about physical shape here, because that's the shape that will last longer is to be more and more like Jesus. And after all, if you think about it, God saved us. One of the whole purposes that he saved us is to be more like Jesus. But if I asked you if you wanted to grow to be like Jesus, what would you say? Would you actually answer that affirmatively? If I said, hey, do you want to grow to be like Jesus? And you might say, yeah, sure. What if I said, hey, do you want to, you want to take up the means of growth that Jesus gives us? What would you say? And then if I said, well, if you say you want to be like Jesus, and you say you want to pick up the means of growth that Jesus talks about to grow, then what are you doing with those means of growth that he supplies? And then if I ask the other question, are you growing, or are you aware you're growing, what would your answer be? You see, he's given us means of growth as his body. Now, that word is important because he's not left us alone. He's not just said, hey, go and figure it out. No, he says, I'm giving you a body, and you don't grow on your own, but you grow through being a part of my body. So he says, you can be a part of my body, and you're going to grow as you're a part of the body. You're going to grow, and you're going to be more and more like me. And so the, really the main idea we see in this passage from the Apostle Paul is, is that Jesus made us a part of his body. 
He made us a part of his body so that we can grow to be like him. That's, that's one of the whole purposes that he saved us. And when he saved us, he didn't save us just individually. He saved us to be a part of the church. He saved us to be a part of his body. And the reason why is so that we can grow. Because apart from the body, it's difficult to grow. Just like a hand growing cut off from the body is extremely hard, let's say. If you are a believer, Jesus has already made you a part of his body, and he has given you the means to grow, to be like him. And the first thing that we're going to look at in this passage, the first truth in this passage that we see is that we're given the ministry of bodybuilding by grace. And I'm not talking about physical bodybuilding, but we're given this ministry. We're given a ministry of bodybuilding. He's enabled us to grow. He's made us a part of his body, and then he's given us a ministry of bodybuilding by his grace. Look at verse 11 of Ephesians 4. It's interesting there. It says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip. He wants us to have the equipment to build, to body build. So he's given us the equipment. And, and so he's given these different roles to enable, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And, and look at what that work of the ministry is in verse 11. He says, he's given these roles for the work of ministry, for, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And what is that work of ministry? It says, for building up the body of Christ. That's what he's called each and every person here to do. And he's given us all gifts of his grace. He's given us all various gifts of his grace for the sake of building up his body. He's given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers for a reason. And the reason these offices are given to the church is for the equipping of the saints. Now, something interesting to notice about these offices is that they all have something to do with the word to some degree. He said he's given the apostles, and that actually comes before the prophets, and that may be because the apostles are the ones who explained what, what all of the scriptures point to is Jesus. So the apostles are preeminent in that list. They're the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, people. These are all who, people who explain, who point to, who, who show us Jesus. The apostles, they show us Jesus. The prophets, they show us Old Testament pointing to Jesus. Then you have the evangelists who, who proclaim the good news. The pastors, the, the shepherds is the literal word there, and teachers. People who, who communicate about Jesus. All of these th- offices have to do with speaking the word about Jesus to equip the saints, and to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that work of ministry is bodybuilding. And all of them are given for this purpose of being a bodybuilder, for ministry. Now, all of you are meant to be ministers. If you are a Christian, you're meant to be a minister. Maybe you grew up in a church and, and you, you thought that, well, you know what, maybe when I go to seminary, I can go and be a minister. I would say, no, then you're no longer a minister. You're equipping people for ministry. And, and yet everyone in this room, every member, if you are a part of a local church, whether you've joined it officially or not, if you are a part of a regular attending a, a local church, you have been given ministry to do. You are a minister, You've been given the work of ministry. And so you might wonder, well, what is this ministry that he's given to us? You know, is, is ministry all the different programs of the church? What do you think? Is ministry all different programs of the church? Partly, maybe, no. 
You know, is, is ministry all the things that we do? Is, is, is ministry being a worship team member? Is it being on the sound team? Is it serving in grace kids or building in grounds or decorating your events team or leading the youth or singles or some other role? Well, it could be, but the ministry he's talking about here is independent of all of those things that we do, all, all of the programs is not the ministry. The programs are to enable ministry, but that's not what he's, he's not saved us just to do programs. He saved us to minister so that we build up the body. And all of these are meant to function for a purpose, which is ministering his grace, being ministers of his grace that you've received, because everyone here has received the grace of God for a reason, to administer, to give that grace to someone else. And it's the purpose of imparting grace to the body. Look at, look at verse 4. If you turn back in your Bibles, I'm sorry, verse 7 in, in chapter 4. So look in, in verse 7 in chapter 4. We didn't get to read that yet, but he says, Grace was given to each of us. So what's the context of the ministry? He says, Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each person here has been given grace to minister with. Now, you may not feel that way. You may not feel like you have anything to give. You may not feel like you have a part to play, but here's the truth. Grace was given. Now look in verse 7. What does it say to who? Grace was given to who? Say it out loud. Each one. Each one of us. Not just a few of us, not the people who stand up on Sunday morning, not the people who are especially gifted in a certain area, but it says grace was given to each one of us. That's you. If you have been made alive in Jesus Christ, if you place your faith in him, he's given grace to each one of you. He's given grace to each one of you and for a purpose for building up the body, for, for ministering to the body. The question is, are you, are you aware that you've been given grace and then are you using that grace to minister? Because you haven't been given grace according to the measure that you think. It doesn't say grace was given to each one of us according to the measure that we have faith. Does it say that? It doesn't say grace is given to each one of us according to um, you know, how much work we do. Grace is given to each one of us according to how good you are or how talented you are. It doesn't say grace is given according to your background or where you come from. Grace is, is given to you according to how much money you have. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you've been given grace according to your ethnicity or according to your looks. It doesn't say grace has been given according to anything you do. It says grace has been given what? According to, look in verse 7 of chapter 4. According to what? Say it out loud. The measure of Christ's gift. Grace has been given to each one of you here. You need to be encouraged. You need to know that you have been given grace according not to what you think, not your abilities, not your activities, not what you are able to earn, not how much money you have, not your background, not your sins or lack of sin thereof, but you've been given grace according to what? According to the measure of Christ's gift. It's not given in a limited way. It's given in an unmeasured way because think about it. What? How is Christ's gift limited in any way? Well, the answer, of course, is no. Christ's gift is not limited in any way. So according to the measure of Christ's gift, you've been given grace. Look, I want you to flip back in your Bibles to Ephesians 1. We're looking at some context for these, this passage about how we grow in the body. We're looking at context of what is Paul talking about when he's talking about grace? What is Paul talking about when he's talking about being ministers? What is Paul talking about when he's talking about growing how much, how much grace have we received? What, is, what does this grace look like we've been given to minister to each other? In chapter 1 of Ephesians, in verse 7 there, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood because of we've been born again, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 
Now look at this, verse 8. It says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom, in all insight. He's lavished his grace on us. If you place your faith in Jesus, you don't have limited grace. He's lavished his grace on you. It's not limited. It's not thwarted by your abilities or lack thereof. It's, it's not based on your performance. His grace has been lavished on you, and God didn't gift you to keep his grace to yourself. And he doesn't intend for anybody here to be a spectator or to attend the church like you'd attend a concert or a buffet. Sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes we pick and choose, and we think, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to go to a church, and we'll pick and choose, and we'll, we'll eat it like a buffet, and we'll pick and choose what we want, when we want, how we want, if we want to go, if we want to be a part. And that's not what we see in the Bible, but that's not what we see in Ephesians in this passage. He actually called you to be a part of the body, and being a part of the body implies it means that you are called to minister. If you're going to minister to somebody, you've got to be there. And you're, if you're a part of the body, you're called to minister his grace to the body so that all of us are built up. And the only way that we're going to grow together as a body is if you are here ministering and you're not just saying, I'm going to pick and choose when I want, how I want, but I'm going to be here because he's given me grace because I want to be ministered to and minister to others. So how about you? Are you actively seeking well, first of all, actually, are you aware that you've been given his grace? Are you aware that you've been given his grace unmeasured? If you are not, we want you to be aware. God wants you to be aware that you've been given his grace unmeasured. And then the question is, are you aware that you've been given his grace unmeasured for a purpose? Not just it is for us to bask in his grace, but it's for us to say, Lord, thank you for giving us your grace. Now we're meant to minister your grace. Do you see that? You're being given grace for a purpose that you have a purpose as a Christian is to be a minister of his grace? The question is, are you actively seeking to be a minister of his grace? Are you an active member of a body? Does that define your participation in the church? Because that's how we all grow. We need each other to grow. Don't think that your participation is optional, that people don't really need you because God has given his very grace, his multifaceted grace to you that's different than the, the kinds of grace and manifestations of grace are different. And we all need each other's grace to, from God to grow. Does that define your participation in the church? Does that define you as a Christian? That's the question for you. There's a, a, a new series that came out that my family we've been enjoying uh, by Disney is called The Mandalorian. Anybody seen The Mandalorian yet? I don't know how many, okay. It's not an endorsement, but it's a, uh, it, it's a story of these bounty hunters and it's like being a part of this clan and they're, they're called the Mandalorians and every Mandalorian, they base their life on the, the principles of these Mandalorian clan, this Mandalorian people and to remind themselves and each other of how they're to live and to explain what they do. They, they have this saying that's kind of weird, but they say, you know, this is the way. And so when they're doing something that's a little different than the way that other people do things, or they don't take these masks off, they wear their masks for good, and they, they have certain things they do, certain ways they act, certain principles and guidelines, a code of ethics of, of a sort at least. And afterwards, or to justify that or to explain that, other people say, this is the way. And so it's kind of become a joke in our family. We, we say to each other, this is the way. Um, you know, it, it's great if you're a parent, too. You can just tell your kids to obey, and they're like, why? You can say, this is the way. Not, not really. I'm, uh, that's not part of the message. But everyone, 
who has been born again has been brought into a tribe, into a body that's more significant, more important than being a Mandalorian. You are a Christian. You are a member of the body of Christ. And so now what you need to see is that being a minister, ministering his grace, helping the body grow up in, in love like this, helping the body grow up, this is the way. And so as a Christian, as a Christ follower, that is meant to inform, to to define how we interact with each other. This is the way, is by imparting grace. And it's the way of grace. It's the way of saying, I'm going to minister of his grace, and I want to live as a minister of his grace. It's meant to define me. And in the church, this is the way that every local body is built up and grows. If you want to grow personally, if you want our body to grow personally as well, then this is the way by you being a minister of his grace. Every saint ministering God's grace that they've received to other members of the body, this is the way that God uses. This is the way that God intends for each member of the church to be built up and grow is by ministering his grace to somebody else in the body. Now, I'm aware there's a lot of body ministry. There's a lot of grace ministry happening in our church already. This is not a corrective message. This is encouraging you saying, hey, keep on doing what you're already doing and continue all the more. Continue all the more to grow in grace. And as you personally grow in grace, impart that grace that God has given to you to other people to minister to them to, so that you grow and we all grow. That's, this is the way. Verses 13 and 14 tell us how, how the body is built up and what the, what the goal is. What the goal is really. Look down at verses 13 and 14 of, of chapter 4. Main truth that we look at there is that we body build to become like Jesus. This isn't pointless. You don't, you don't, you're not made a part of the body of Christ and, and given this ministry of grace for no reason. You're given a ministry of grace so that you become more like Jesus. We body build to become like Jesus. It says, until, until we all attain to what? The unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All of those are different ways of saying until we grow up to be more like Jesus, until we're completed, that's the goal. So what does that imply? Well, first of all, it implies that we don't stop this. When do you stop needing to be ministers of his grace? When do you stop needing the body? The answer is never until you get to heaven. Until you, until you, until you go to heaven, we're gonna need this body ministry. So don't think that this is optional somehow for you or for other people. Think, I need, I need the body. I need to be a minister of grace. I need to be ministered to. I need his grace. Why? Because I want to grow up to be like Jesus, which is a far better goal than growing up to be like Chris Hemsworth or whoever your model is. The other reason he tells us in verse 14 is that we're not tossed around. So we're not like kids. We're not like children tossed to and fro by all the different waves and all the different winds of doctrine that come along. It's not until you think you're mature, until you think you know Jesus enough, it's until we all attain to the unity of faith. Now, maybe you think you're mature enough. You think, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing fine in my Christian walk. I'm, I'm okay. Well, it's not what it says until you're okay. It says until we all attain to the unity of the faith, until the mature manhood of Jesus Christ. And it says so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. We need the body so that we're not tossed around. So we're not... We're not deceived by all these various winds of doctrine that blow, or these, these waves of doctrine that come and go. Whatever's trendy, whatever blows in and out with the times, teaching is based on what changes. It's popular or trendy or socially acceptable. 
We need each other to be grounded in the truth so that we don't blow around. Paul wrote in Timothy in his last letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. What does that mean? So I, I, I want to hear things. I want to hear things that, that sound good. Having itching ears, they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit what? Their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is a real temptation for each and every human. And how do we guard against that? How do we avoid becoming immature like that by listening to myths and, and listening to things that suit our own passions and, and wander off? How do, how do we guard against that? How do we build up? How are we strengthened? By being a member of the body of Christ, by being an active part, by ministering his grace to each other. Because the truth of God's word doesn't change but we need to hear his unchanging truth in every changing situation of our lives. Because you know what? Circumstances tempt us to believe lies, to believe things that aren't true. And we need to be reoriented back to the truth. And it's applicable to each and every age. God's word doesn't change, but it's applicable to all the changing times. And we need God's word to keep us from blowing around, from being tossed back and forth. We need the truth of his word. We need his word to, to keep us from being swayed by human cunning, it says, by, by crafty teachers who've got an agenda to seek to sway people to their agenda. We need God's word to keep us from deceitful schemes so we don't fall prey, so we aren't easily deceived. Because whether you believe it or not, we're all, we're all able to be deceived apart from God's grace, apart from his truth. And look in verse 15. One of the primary ways that we minister God's grace and build up the body, look in verse 15, is by doing what? It says, how do we do this? How do we do this body ministry? How do we do bodybuilding in the church? How do we grow up? Look down at verse 15. It says, by speaking the truth in love. Instead of being tossed around, instead of being mature, instead of not growing up and being like children, instead of being going tossed around by waves and winds, it says, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into every way into him. The body grows as we minister his grace to each other by doing what? By speaking the truth in love. Instead of being blown around, carried back and forth, speaking the truth with love is how we're kept anchored, how we grow. A tree can't grow unless it is rooted in good soil. And how are we personally rooted in good soil? It's by speaking the truth in love to one another. But let me ask you a question. What does speaking the truth in love mean? Is this just another way? When I, when I was growing up, I thought it was just a way of saying, you know what, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm just going to speak the truth. Now I have to temper it and be loving. But I'm just going to tell it like it is and then say, I, hey, I really love you, so I'm going to tell you just how bad you are. Is that, you know, speaking the truth in love? Is that just another way of saying, tell it like it is, but make sure you're doing it lovingly? I think we've all, or at least a lot of us, have wrongly applied it that way. You know, I just tell it like it is. I just speak the truth. That's my mission in life. I, you know, I let the chips fall where they may because I just want to, I just got to tell the truth. You know, somebody needs my correcting. It's my job to speak the truth. Tell them how dumb they're being. You know, when, when somebody's being a bonehead, I need to speak the truth. Tell them they're a bonehead, right? Is that what that means? No, that's not what the scripture's talking about at all. It has nothing to do with us just telling it like it is um, like we see things, speaking, speaking out our own opinions. What this is talking about is speaking the truth of God's word. 
And primarily in this context, in Ephesians, is talking about speaking the truth of the gospel in other people's lives. Where do I get that? Well, in the context of this chapter to begin with, right in verse 15, it points to the fact of the truth that we speak, it results in what? In us growing up in every way, look down your Bibles, into who? Into him. So we speak truth that results in us growing up into him. So it's got to be truth about him in order to grow up into him. And it's all throughout Ephesians that really the truth is that we build up our body by speaking the truth of Jesus. That's what it's talking about. We build up the body by speaking the truth of Jesus. Look in verse 15 of chapter 4. It says, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ. So we speak a truth that helps us grow up into Christ. And what kind of truth helps us grow up into Christ but truth about Christ himself? The truth of Jesus applied to our life like a, a healing balm and strengthening, sustaining And the other pointers in the chapter about what this truth is, we speak about the whole body grows. Paul tells us by way of contrast. Look down at verse 17. Look in verse 17 in chapter 4. He says, now this I say and testify, Lord, you must no longer walk. So he says, speak the truth in love. And and in, in contrast, don't walk like the Gentiles do. In how? In the futility of their mind. In the futility of the way they think. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of their heart. And, and in Ephesians and in the Bible, this futility of mind, this darkening understanding, this alienated from the life of God, this hardness of heart, is describing a hardness of the heart to the gospel. Hardness of the heart to God. They become callous, give themselves up to sensuality, it says, and greed, and every practice of every kind of impurity. Now look at what verse 20 says. In contrast to this futile way of thinking, it says, look down at verse 20 of chapter 4 in your Bibles. It says, but that is not the way you what? You learned who? Learned Christ. It doesn't say, that's not the way you learned how to act. It's not the way you learned how to, to function. It's not the way you learned how to, to behave. It's not saying that. It's just saying, that's not the way you learned what? You learned Christ. It's not saying that's not the way you've learned a certain set of rules, a certain set of behaviorisms. No, this is not the way you learned Christ. Speak the truth in love. Don't, don't think like the Gentiles do. Instead, Go back to how you learned Christ, is what it's saying. Assuming, look in verse 21, that you heard about him. Here's what speaking truth and love is. Learning Christ. Hearing about him. It says, and we're taught in him as the truth is what? What does it say? Say it out loud. In Jesus. So who is, what, what is this speaking the truth all about? This speaking the truth is all about speaking the truth of Jesus, learning about Jesus, hearing about him, being taught in him, the truth that is in Jesus. What we need to learn is Christ. I, I loved the set of songs that Phillips chose today. I don't know if he, you know, just the Holy Spirit was speaking to him, but they were just wonderfully pointing us to Jesus and to our need for him to hear about him, to be taught in him. That's, that's the truth that we need to speak. This, this truth that is in Jesus is the truth about him, how we are taught in him, learning him. Verse 23, Paul talks about putting off our old self, and it's how we're renewed in our spirit of our minds. We're renewed as we learn Christ. We're renewed as we, as we hear about him, as we're taught in him, as we seek the truth that is in him. And Paul writes down in verse 25 of Ephesians 4, you can look down your Bibles, he talks about putting away falsehood. Putting away, literally the word there is lies. Those, those lies that we're tempted, those lying ways of thinking and 
about us and about the world. Put away those things and instead put on the truth that's in Jesus. Church, what we need to grow as a body is to learn Christ, to hear about Christ, to be taught Christ and the truth that's in him. And we do this by speaking the truth about Jesus. Does that inform how you live? Does that inform how you minister to other people in the body? Or when somebody says, I'm really struggling, you know, I'm in debt right now, I'm struggling with my finances, is your first answer, you know what, um, why don't you have this Dave Ramsey CD, that'll really help you. Now, there's nothing wrong with Dave Ramsey, he has some great principles, but the question is, is that where you go first? Or do you see that what we need first and foremost is actually the truth about Jesus? We need to learn that Jesus actually is our provider, that he cares about what we're seeking and desiring, what we think is the solution. Finances are not the solution. Jesus is the answer. Are we looking to other things to satisfy? So we're looking to possessions to satisfy, so we're spending too much money on possessions because we somehow think accumulating possessions will make us feel better instead of looking to Jesus. So there are hard issues that we need to hear. We need to speak to each other the truth about what? About Jesus. It applies in every area of our lives. Look back in, in verse 15 of chapter 4. It says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up what? In every way. Isn't that astounding? It says grow up in every way. In every way we, we grow up. In every area of your life, you grow up. How do you grow up? By speaking the truth. What the truth is it? The truth about Jesus to every area of your life. Every area of your life. We grow up in every way into him who is Christ, into Christ. By doing what? By speaking the truth in love, the truth about Jesus, we grow up into Jesus in every area of your life. If there's an area that you're wrestling with, that you're struggling with, that, that you, have, are, are, you have a temptation or an area you don't think you're going to overcome, you need to hear the truth of Jesus. You need to speak the truth of Jesus, not just into your own life, but into other people's lives as well. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. We're going to see this is not just something I'm making up. That's just something I'm pulling out of the chapter 4. Look at Ephesians 1.13. It says, in him you also, in him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard what? The word of truth. What is the word of truth? The next line. What's the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. In him, in Jesus... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that's the word of truth, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That he brought you into the truth of Jesus. He, when you heard the truth of Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed by him, and that affects everything about your life. The word of truth in the context of the letter is, is primarily has to do with the gospel of your salvation, this good news about Jesus. Now look down in, in verses 16 and 19 of chapter 1. He talks about his prayer for the Ephesians, for the church. He's talking to you, by the way, a local body here. He says, I remember you in my prayers that what? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may what? What's his prayer? What's his desire? May give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, not just generically, but look down there in, in the last five words, in the knowledge of him. Oh, how do we get Wisdom. How do we get revelation? In the knowledge of Jesus. That's what we need. This is speaking the knowledge, the truth about Jesus. That's his prayer for the church. Now, look down. He elaborates even more. Look down at verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. 
Do a little Bible study here on seeing what this truth about Jesus is that we need to speak. And how do we do this? It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. How is your heart enlightened? By knowing the hope that he's called you to. By knowing the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This, this all to do with the good news of Jesus. He says, what's the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? How do you know? How do you have faith to overcome your sins? You know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. You know the power of Jesus speaking the truth of his power according to the working of what? Your great might? No, it says according to the working of his great might, speaking the truth. Hey, you might not feel like you're able to overcome sin. You might not feel like you're able to do or face whatever you're facing in life. But here's the good news. Speaking the truth of Jesus is that according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. What's the truth we desperately need to speak? What's the truth we need to speak motivated by love for each other? It's the truth of the hope of his good news to those who are hopeless. For those who feel like they're unforgivable. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're unforgivable? We speak the hope of his forgiveness and the body grows and it's built up. You ever feel trapped in your sin? We speak the hope of his deliverance and the fact that Jesus has conquered every sin so we don't have to remain trapped in sin. We speak the hope of knowing that that because Jesus died and we've died in Christ Jesus, then, then we've died to the authority, we've died to the power of sin so we don't have to submit to it any longer. When you feel like there, you just can't resist. You need to know this truth and you need the truth of Jesus to be spoken to you that no, you're dead to sin and you're believing a lie, the false lie that says like you're stuck. We grow as we speak the hope of his freedom from slavery to sin. When our fellow church member is stuck believing a lie that they're never going to be free from substance abuse. We speak the truth against the lies they're believing and they, that they feel they must obey. When they feel like they can't physically endure, we speak the truth that Jesus is able to strengthen them and enable them to endure. And he knows how to endure because he resisted every temptation and he never gave in to sin. And what's harder, giving in to sin or never giving in. Never giving in to sin is harder, and Jesus has done what's harder, and he will enable us with his knowledge, his ability. We can learn from Jesus. We grow as we speak the truth that when it feels like no one else loves you, and maybe you're here today and you feel that way. You feel like, you know what, I'm, I, nobody loves me. Nobody really cares. Nobody really understands. We need to know. We need to hear, be taught, to learn, to understand the truth that, that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you knowing exactly how guilty and unlovable you really are. It's not like God didn't know. It's not like Jesus didn't know. Jesus knew exactly how unlovable you really are. And by the way, we're all unlovable apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we were all very unlovable. We were all guilty. We were all undeserving. And you know what? You know how much Jesus loved you? He loved you so much that he knew just how unlovable you really are. He knew your deepest, darkest thoughts. He knew your deepest, darkest deeds. He, he knew just how unlovable you really are, how unfaithful you would be. He knew every sin you would commit before you became a Christian and every sin you will commit still. He knew what you did this morning, what you did last night. He, knew, he knows how you will fail again. And he chose to come for you because he loves you. And you know what? The Father loves you so much, knowing all those things, 
And think about the Father in in eternal communion with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, Perfect love, perfect harmony, um, and no need of fellowship. He didn't need you. God didn't need us, and that's why he created us. No, that's not true. He had no need of anything. Perfectly satisfied in in a perfect communion with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, he knew. He knew we would sin. He would be his enemies. And he gave his most precious the one he was closest to, his, his son, who he's loved eternally and perfectly, and he was willing to send his son to sacrifice for you because he loves you so much. Don't ever believe the lie that no one loves you or that God doesn't love you as a Christian. We speak the truth of love to help us each other grow strong in confidence and joy and delight. If you're struggling with a lack of joy, just meditate on how much the Father loves you, how much Jesus loves you, and he's known all of your weaknesses, all of your unfaithfulness, all of your issues. Humanity was too unclean to even touch the Ark of the Covenant. We've seen the Old Testament. Uzzah, he thinks he's doing the right thing. He sticks his hand out. He touches the Ark of the Covenant. He thinks he's going to keep it from touching the dirty ground. Well, he's killed because he didn't realize he's far dirtier than the ground. And now we're made, here's the truth we need to hear, we're made completely holy and new so that we become a temple. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We who were once too unclean to even touch the ark, now because of Jesus, he's made us clean. Don't feel like you're unclean if you're in Jesus. You've been made completely clean, so clean that you are called now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He has made you pure and righteous in him. You are now the dwelling place where you couldn't even touch the ark. Now you are, in a sense, the ark, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the truth to grow that we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling within us. And we need to speak that truth to each other. And if his Holy Spirit was able to not only enable Jesus to say no to sin and live a perfectly pleasing life, but to raise his body from the dead, then surely the Holy Spirit will enable us to please God and live for him in our mortal bodies. Don't think that he won't enable you. He says you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that kept him Pure, that enabled him to resist temptation his whole entire life and that made him new. Don't think that you're bound by your ability. You're not. We grow as we speak the good news of the resurrection in Jesus Christ that Aaron preached last week. We grow as we speak the truth that because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can be sure that we're going to be resurrected like him and so we have a hope to live for and it's not in this life. We grow and hear and learn the truth that Aaron told us about when we, when we hear, heard that Christ, that because of Jesus, death has no sting. We can remain steadfast in serving God, knowing our labor is not in vain. Why? Because we have been made new and we will be resurrected. And one day, he will make all things new. Your labor is not in vain. You think it's not worth it. It is. Speak the truth. All of us need to hear and speak the truth to each other. None of us beyond needing to hear the truth of Jesus. That's why we need the body. We're all tempted to believe a lie. You know, I was just thinking this past week, I'll share my failure with you from this past week. It's, it's embarrassing. You know, this past week I was thinking, you know, it's a, it's a small incident, but just revealed my selfishness. It just revealed 
um, how I wasn't believing the truth about Jesus and how it affects every area of my life, even how I treat other people. When I believe things that are untrue about Jesus, I treat other people in ways that are untrue to Jesus. And uh, this past week, I was selfish. Instead of representing Jesus, serving those who don't deserve to be served, I was, I was proud. I was selfish. I fail just like you fail. Somebody in a, we were in a parking deck, and you know spaces in a parking deck are always too small. Um, and we, we pulled into a parking deck, and, and just as I got out, and I was starting to unload the, the Suburban, and somebody asked that this person came up, and they were having a bad attitude, and they made some, some snarky comment about, I hope they didn't, you know, ding mark cars they pulled in. And so they're making a couple other snarky comments. And so she came up, and she says, would you move your Suburban? It's too close to my car. And, and we were equally distant either side, and I told her no. That's not the right thing to do, by the way. Um, and, um, you know, because it was going to be easier for them. I was like, no, I, I, I'm parked fine. I'm, I'm right in the middle of my space like I should be, you know. I'm thinking. I didn't say that. But I was like, no, I'm good. And <laughs> what was that? I was being tired. I, I, was, I was tired. I was being lazy. I was being selfish. And immediately afterwards, I was, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. And I missed out on, on a chance to be like Jesus to her, um, to a stranger. And it was selfish and lazy. What went wrong? What wrong there? Maybe you can diagnose this. How does the truth of Jesus apply to a situation like that? An everyday interaction, an everyday failure of a Christian. How does the truth of Jesus apply to something like that? Well, I forgot the truth that he made me new so that I can shine his light to other people. And if I was thinking that, I would have said, oh, no problem. I'll move my car. And by the way, um, do you know Jesus? You know, I, I could, have, could have in some way Say, hey, you know what? Absolutely, I'll, I'll move my car because Jesus laid down his life for me. I can easily move my car for you. I forgot the truth that I'm representing Jesus wherever I go, and I reflected something untrue about Jesus. I'm called a Christ-like one, but I did not reflect that. I believe the lie that because they didn't deserve it, I didn't need to move my car. Now think about that. Did I deserve to be saved? Did I deserve to, for Jesus to die for me, to lay down his life for me? Well, of course not. And so if I'm aware of that truth, that's going to affect how I live with other people. If I'm aware that, you know what, I am constantly aware I don't get what I deserve, which is God's wrath, and instead I receive his mercy, then that's going to affect how I show mercy to other people. Are you struggling with showing people kindness? Are you struggling with showing people mercy? Are you struggling with being selfish and lazy like I was? Um, here's what you need to understand and have affect you, the truth of Jesus in every way, affect your heart so that you see, I don't ever get what I deserve, and I want other people to know what they don't deserve too, to know Jesus. You know, I believe the lie that because I was in the right, they were parked too close to the line that, you know, they were being selfish and unreasonable and asking. I was justified, right? Well, sure, but no. In response, the truth I needed to hear and I need to learn to say no in the future is that I'm forgiven and I'm not defined by a selfish act. I'm not condemned because of my failure this past week. I'm defined by the righteousness of Christ, but I need to learn from that. I also need to learn the truth that Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. While we were still enemies, when I deserve the death penalty, Jesus died for the unrighteous. Are you tempted or do you give in to selfishness and laziness in your home, in your workplace, with your neighbors? Have the truth of Jesus affect you, the mercy that you've received. Not because you're so good, but because you were so bad he showed you mercy, and because he showed you mercy, you, can, you want other people to see that same mercy, to know the mercy of Jesus.
because he's died for me and given his life, I can lay down my life for others or at least move my car to help somebody else because he died to redeem me from my selfishness. Listen, church, if we want to grow up in the Jesus, we speak the truth of Jesus into every area of our lives. We need to hear and learn to be taught in Jesus. We grow up in him until we become like Jesus. And if we look to some technique to grow, you're going to miss the point. Or if you think that, hey, daily Bible reading is what makes me grow. Well, yes, if it helps you learn Jesus, if it helps you see Jesus and apply him and learn the truths about him, be taught in him and understand him, then yes. And by the way, if you're struggling with those things, then I would encourage you to read your Bible every day. And one of, the, one of the goals for this year is that we're going we're gonna to talk about next week in our family meeting is, is one of the goals is we want, we want to be every member of the church, to be in the Bible in some way, not just so we can say we're in the Bible, but so we can hear Jesus, learn Jesus, be taught Jesus. You know, we pray. Why do we pray? Well, we pray through Jesus. Did you know that? You pray through Jesus. We say in Jesus' name. We pray through him because of him. He's our intercessor. And the goal of our prayer is so that the Spirit reveal the truth to us so that we would have more of what? More of Jesus. Because Jesus, what did he tell us? He is the way, the truth, and the life. If we want life, we need to pray to get more of Jesus. Jesus is the life. We speak the truth about Jesus and hear about him so that we pray in his name because he says he'll do what we ask according to his name. You want your prayers to be answered? Find out what's according to Jesus' name and pray that way. Ephesians 1.18, it told us about what the riches of his inheritance are in saints. You need to know what the riches of his inheritance are if you want to not be bound by money or by a thirst or a lust for money or hang tightly onto your money. We need to grow up and stop living as if worldly wealth is the answer. If you want to grow up in that way, be like Jesus, see that rich, the riches of his inheritance. So we're not holding on to things tightly and instead we are generous in giving because he's given himself generously and without reservation to us. That's a better motivator than just the command that you should is that he's given everything generously so we want to give generously. Listen, when, when we, we need to hear that Jesus is to, more to be cherished in salt than anything else. We, especially in this day and age that we live in, this is so centered on possessions and things and accumulations and looking a certain way. We need to hear the truth that, that our relationship and, and be motivated by the fact that Jesus loved us so much, he became a human. He endured every temptation in order to win his bride. Think about your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with the people. Jesus endured and loved so much that he endured every temptation in order to win his bride. That's you. He gave, us, he gave up everything to be, every right he had to be worshipped. He gave up every right to be acknowledged. He gave up every right to be adored and humbled himself for you. Think about how you relate to the people. Jesus lived his whole life for his bride. And then he suffered, he bled for her, he gave up his life for his bride. And here's the thing, he's waiting for us, still patiently waiting the consummation of his marriage to his bride still. If that's not motivation for you to be patient and you to remain pure, then I don't know what is. Even though we've always been unfaithful and impure, he's always been faithful and pure towards us. We need to know his faithfulness, his purity, his kindness towards us. We need to know his inheritance 
We need to know that we're secure in him, that we have the same inheritance that Jesus deserves, the inheritance we have as adopted sons and daughters, the inheritance of the Father with the measure of the Son. We, we have the same inheritance that, that Jesus receives. We're given to him because of him. The good news is that He gives us the power to say no to laziness, to selfishness, to overcome temptation, to see that nothing else compares to him. You know, so often we've run after other idols, after other things we think will satisfy. But if you understand the riches of your inheritance, you're not going to want to run after those things. We need to hear the truth of Jesus that his power is not limited. His power isn't able to work his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus is able to be working you. You know, are you dissatisfied? Here's the question. Are you dissatisfied with your own growth? Or maybe you're dissatisfied with, the, with the, the growth of the church. Do you want to grow up? Do you want to be mature? Do you want to be the church body that we're called to be? We've been given Jesus. We've learned Jesus. We've heard him. We've been taught in him. We've received him. He is everything that we need. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. And nothing else compares. We need to hear the truth about Jesus so every other temptation becomes paltry and worthless in comparison. We need to know that God's not looking to you for forgiveness, but he's already looked to Jesus for forgiveness, and he's completely satisfied. We need to know we're his children. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Otherwise, we're going to look to get love from other people and we'll feel rejected if we don't. We need the power of his grace to say no to sin because anything less than his grace is a motivator to say no to sin won't last. We need to hear there's no sin that we commit that's greater than his grace and that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Church, what we need is Christ and all we have is Christ. Amen? I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then after I pray, uh, I want to have the leaders come up, and we'll have a time of prayer. If you would like prayer for anything, we'd love to take a chance, to have a chance to pray with you and for you, but meanwhile, let's pray together. Father, thank you that you've made each and every one of us a part of your body, that you've imparted immeasurable grace to us, that you've made us ministers, that, Lord, you have given us the truth of Jesus. I pray that we would learn how to speak the truth of Jesus into each other's lives, that we might all grow up and be built up into you so that we might all be more like you, Jesus. God, we do this not for our glory, but for your glory because you have saved us and you've made us to be like you. Lord, would we, would we participate with you as we build each other up in love by your grace, in Jesus' name, amen.